0: Hello everybody and welcome to Bounties and Blasters. I'm your host Brad. And I'm your other host Madison and this is a Friends of the Force and Doing Talking crossover series covering all things under the Mandalorian mantle.
1: Ah, the Mandalorian, I've never heard of it. But each week we're going to be covering it anyways because we will be hosting in-depth discussions about the newest episodes on Disney+. And this week we are talking about Chapter 5, The Gunslinger, written and directed by Dave Filoni. Notably, Dave Filoni's first ever live action that he's both written and directed, although he did direct episode one of this season, which was his directorial debut. So he's had some pretty good advancements in his career. You know, 12 years ago at Celebration 4 or Celebration 6, one of the two, he was introduced as the showrunner for The Clone Wars, and now he's he's here. Started from the bottom, now he's here. Madison.
0: I'm so proud of him. <laughs> Dave is on his own hero's journey, I feel like, and now he's like reached Jedi Master status. <laughs> Once he was but the learner, now he is the master. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he has grown among the ranks at Lucasfilm, and I think it's very important for me and you to say at least that we stand Dave Filoni till the end. We will stick by his side no matter what. Yes. And he deserves the world because he has given so much of not only his time and dedication to the Star Wars universe, but his heart. this this universe means more to him than I think sometimes it means to many fans. Not only because he learned right from George Lucas, but it's kind of like a, a weight on his shoulders that he feels he has to do his duty to the to the saga and to or not the saga to the franchise and the stories that are being told. And I feel like he really really is delicate with with what he does and we stand we stand Absolutely. completely.
0: Dave has given me like so much that is like some of my favorite Star Wars ever. <laughs> so I'll always be grateful for that.
1: Yeah. So we we love you Dave. Thank you for all you're doing and thank you for all your your uh just Daveness of your cowboy hat and all the Could, inspired cosplay that you've done, I might do a Dave Filoni cosplay next year at Celebration. Can that be
0: in the it. dictionary, like as a new adjective? The Daveness of it, like <laughs>
1: the Daveness. <laughs> it says so much
0: in just one word.
1: <laughs> I know it's he just has so many Davisms. You know, like you just know yeah. it's Filoni. You know, the Trust Tree, all that sort of stuff. I think there's a couple people who have broken the Trust Tree recently. Possibly, oh, yeah. I don't know if any of you saw, but I know Bryce Dallas Howard at least did like some sort of instagram live q a with some listeners and there are about a thousand people listening to it asking questions and she took out some notes from dave filoni she's like yeah dave gave me these notes and it's to give me an idea of like how the mandalorians operate and kind of where they are in their journey and like all this stuff and she's showing it to the camera up (laughs) close and then she's like uh, y- you know what? I don't actually know. Like, I don't know if there's spoilers on here. Oh, um, she's like looking at it. She's like, <laughs> um, you know what? I just don't know, but I'm just going to, and then she like flips through like 20 pages. There's like 20 pages of notes for Mandalorians from Dave Filoni. And I was like, the trust tree is broken.
0: <laughs> he shakes his head, walks outside, saws another limb off the tree. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He just burns it. He's like, that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. But, yeah, hopefully we don't break Dave Filoni's trust tree this week when we talk about this episode. But, Madison, uh, I really like this episode. I'm excited to talk to you about it. And it seems to be a very divisive episode among people. You know, I was, like, very excited to talk about it on Twitter. And apparently I'm going to have to, like, hide in a a shelter for, like, the next week (laughs) until episode six comes out and everybody forgets. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but what did you think of this episode? Like what were your thoughts and and how how did you enjoy it?
0: Well, okay, so I feel like I've kind of gone on a journey with this episode because upon like first watch, I enjoyed it. It was a fun adventure. It felt very western. It gave me a lot of nostalgia because we got to go back to tatooine and see so many familiar things, like places and even Tuscan Raiders and dobacks and all that fun stuff. But at the very end, I kind of felt like disappointed and I wasn't sure why. I was like, "Okay, what's happening here? Because so far, like all four episodes I've absolutely loved. I had like no questions about whether I was satisfied or not when I got to the end of them. And I was kind of like, what's going on with this episode? Like, why am I not satisfied with it? Um, And then I got on Twitter and saw all the different complaints people were having. Some I kind of agreed with, some I was like... No. (laughs) But the more I thought about it, I realized that I was frustrated because I had unrealistic like expectations of the episode. I was putting too much pressure on it, I think, because the stakes were so high in the past few episodes, particularly the first three. It felt very um very life and death you know trying to get this bounty trying to deliver this bounty and then he's trying to save baby Yoda because he changes his mind it was all very high stakes very it felt very dangerous this one had a little bit of that with the threat from Ming-Na Wen's character uh, Fennec Shand but it wasn't um I don't know I think I felt like it wasn't contributing to the overall plot in the way that I was hoping for. Like it didn't give me those big moments that I was looking for. And I realized that that was kind of a mistake, to be honest, for me to feel that way. Because I think that I think we're being a little bit too hard on this show because maybe it's because the episodes are shorter and we only get eight in an entire season. So we expect a lot out of every episode whereas when you're watching like regular network television you usually have like 22 episodes in a season so you expect some i'm doing air quotes here filler episodes and you don't put as much pressure on each individual episode cuz there's a lot usually in regular network shows that are just kind of like very self-contained and a lot of them actually don't really contribute to the overall plot right and so we're we're kind of okay with it in that context but maybe not as much so here um But then I started thinking to myself like how do we know if this contributed to the overall plot and does it matter if it didn't because I started kind of thinking about like what is the overall plot of this show and it kind of has turned into Mando protecting Baby Yoda kind of traveling from one place to another and just trying to survive because at this point he isn't trying to like go after whoever put the bounty out for Baby Yoda and now Mando has a huge bounty on his head so I was like Maybe it's okay that like we have these smaller, self-contained adventures that aren't all equal in stakes. They don't all feel like a season finale, and maybe that's okay. Mm -hmm. So anyway, long story short, I've kind of like I started off more in the negative on this episode, but now that I've watched it a few times, I really do just enjoy it, and I'm not putting all that pressure on it. And yeah, so I've I've really enjoyed the the little adventure in this episode, and. I really enjoyed seeing how Tatooine has changed since the fall of the Empire. You make
1: so many great points. Like my mind has been racing through so many of of what you're so much of what you're just saying right here. And I think I don't know. There's just so much that can be said about it. For me, this episode, I I loved it when I first saw. It. Like I was super excited. I had a smile on my face the entire time I was watching it. I got right up at six thirty in the morning, bright and early, with my tea, and my dog curled up in my lap. And we watched the episode. Yep, I said we because she was definitely watching, I'm pretty sure, unless she was napping. Mm -hmm. I think she was sleeping. But, (laughs) you know, we just got that fun adventure back to Tatooine. We got to go back to a place that was very familiar to us and see how much it has changed. And I think... There are so many subtleties about how Tatooine has changed that it does actually speak to a larger picture of the universe and what's happening within the galaxy, just with those subtle details like a droid now running Chalmun's Cantina and Tusken Raiders being more civilized. Like those little things, they're small moments that matter and have larger implications about the galaxy. You know, this is a planet that no longer is run by crime syndicates like the Hutts it is is free but it's also not as prosperous there's not as many people there anymore it seemed like very vacant and very dead but also at the same time free you know we see them celebrating at the end of return of the jedi five years ago and look what it's become now you know so it's very interesting to see how the planets changed and again it was just a super big hit of nostalgia for me i think the space battle right in the beginning is some of the most incredible effects I've seen on any sort of TV show. I think that's not being talked about enough, like the kind of work that went into that space battle. And again, these episodes cost $10 million an episode. So they're very limited, too, in the storytelling that they can have. You know, they're limited in time for each episode, they're limited in what kinds of episodes they can do, you know. So we also have to consider there's budgetary constraints to a show like this, you know, and they might have to have those kind of filler episodes because they can't have a season finale esque impact episode like episode three every single time because that stuff costs money it costs money to hire extras and and to to pay people to make these special effects like for dog fights and all that so I think you're right I think in terms of the overall story we don't know the overall story necessarily yet and I would totally be okay if it's just him protecting baby Yoda each week and eventually we get to that larger picture of like who made this hit out on baby Yoda in the first place you know what's that about? But for now, you know, I think it's very unfair for people to say we didn't get any advancement of the larger picture. You don't know what it is yet. So we don't know until we see this whole season if this episode did fit into the larger picture. It it might very well fit into the larger picture, especially based on the ending. If we think they're going where we think they're going, which we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, I think what I like about this show is you can flip it on any week. And you can just watch it and get a complete story. You know, not a lot of shows like Game of Thrones or Walking Dead. I can't just flip on, you know, episode seven of Game of Thrones and like feel like I'm getting a complete story. I kind of feel like right in the middle of something. And that is sometimes a bit much for me. But like this, this is the first show I've really consistently like rewatched the episodes four to five times. And I think that's because they're so self-contained, but also like advance the story and develop the Mandalorian slowly that surely with all these different missions that he's going on you know what I mean so I do like that kind of mission or that adventure of the week sort of feel of like the old serialized western like you know this week on the Mandalorian you know and he's back on (laughs) Tatooine like it's just it's just fun like I think sometimes we take this stuff way too seriously and I think if we can all just kind of sit back And enjoy the ride and realize that not everything has to have like a huge impact. And it can just be fun. It can just show us things we remember and like make us feel like kids again on the couch, on the, you know, watching the TV show with huge eyes. I think that's the point of the show, you know?
0: Exactly. And going back to what you said about filler, I feel like that term has become so overused recently. Mm -hmm. And anytime people watch an episode of something and they like it didn't live up to their expectations of maybe like moving the, the big plot forward, they just call it filler. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a misuse of the term because to me, what filler means is an episode that was totally pointless. Like we didn't learn anything new. We weren't, uh, there wasn't any world building. We didn't see any character development. To me, like that would be filler. And this episode does not fit that definition at all. Like, we get to see more of Mando's character development with Baby Yoda, learning how to take care of a child. He's still very negligent. He has a lot to learn there. Yeah, come on, Mando. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we have to see him working with somebody else because he does choose to help somebody that he didn't have to help. So we see more of that, like him interacting with other people. And again, potentially... We, we're we not going to get to this yet, but at the very end of the episode, there might actually be something very important that's getting introduced to the main plot. We don't know yet, but I feel like this episode was actually like introducing some elements that will be important in the long run. Yes, exactly. Um, like we see what happens when Mando tries to work with somebody else yes. and they discover <laughs> that he has baby Yoda. And then they're like, well, you're more valuable than the bounty I'm going after. So it kind of isolates Mando even more because whenever he tries to work with somebody else now, he has a bad reputation because he betrayed the entire guild <laughs> and he still has baby Yoda with him. So everyone's just going to want to turn on him and turn him in instead because the reward is bigger. So yeah. I think there were a lot of important ideas like introduced in this episode, actually.
1: Yeah, and like we know from episode four, it's been a couple weeks that they were at that village on Sorgan, and now it's you know people have heard about what happened on Navarro, which we finally got a name of the planet. I think I don't know if we actually had it in those first couple episodes, but it's called Navarro. I don't think the Mandalorian did did we? Okay, so we. No, I I was saying I
0: don't think we did. So I was like excited to finally hear it. I was like, "Oh, that's what it's called."
1: (laughs) Yeah. So the Mandalorian's reputation is traveling fast, and. You know, I, I try to ask myself why this episode after the last episode, and I think it's important to ask those kinds of those those questions from a storytelling perspective. The last episode we got Mandalorian not trusting somebody and Cara Dune right at first, getting to know her, warming up to her, working alongside her and getting a best friend by the end of that episode. Now, fast forward to this, this episode, he sees the innocence of Toro Calican, who's played by Jake Canneville we see that he wants to work with this guy. He wants to get him into the guild. He knows he's probably been there himself before. He feels a little bit bad about the kid, but he also needs the money at the same time. And then everything goes wrong. You know, he lets his heart get the best of him where he leaves Toro with Fennec. And it, it it almost kills Baby Yoda in the end. It almost endangers him very severely. So now moving forward, the Mando's like, you know, I had Kara and I worked with her very well but then this other guy I worked with betrayed me so it's like who do I trust now so I think that's why these smaller quieter episodes are so important because people said like you know there's no character development in this episode I completely disagree because I think the experiences and the decisions the Mandalorian made in this episode Farther down the line, will have repercussions and will allow us to better understand the decisions he makes in the future. Because sometimes I feel like when you don't have these kind of quiet, quote unquote, filler episodes later on, when decisions are made, people start to question like, why did that character do that? Or why did that character go down that route? That doesn't make any sense. So right now, what they're trying to do is really flesh out his experiences as much as possible so that we understand the character better later on when he makes those important choices.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I think this episode was a really good contrast with episode four, because Mm -hmm. we're back to another dead planet. We're back in the kind of not bounty hunter lifestyle, but kind of because Mando's trying to find different work, but he ends up hunting a bounty again anyway. And this episode really highlighted the brutality and how brief your life can be if you're following the bounty hunter path, because a lot of people complained about this, how Finnick died Toro died. Everybody died very quickly in this episode. They're there and then they're gone. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the point, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Was that like you can just be on a job one minute and then you're dead. And that was a huge contrast with last episode, which was all about we're on this living planet. We're in this safe little village where, despite the fact that they kept getting raided, there didn't seem to be much loss of life. Like pretty much everyone seemed to survive that. And that's a complete contrast to what happened in this episode where it was like everybody's dying (laughs) so yeah i thought toro was a pretty interesting i don't know villain is the right word maybe i think he could have definitely turned into a very interesting villain i definitely underestimated him yeah because i was like here's this naive kid he's on his first job he doesn't really know what he's doing and i definitely didn't expect him to um he wasn't really naive. He ended up being pretty smart not to trust Finnick because she definitely yeah. would have just beaten him up or killed him and left <laughs> yeah, him there. <laughs> <laughs> and he ended up being smarter than I thought he was. He ended up kind of making the choice that was most beneficial for him, so he definitely had the makings of a real bounty hunter. Um, yeah, I thought he was a pretty interesting character, and I saw a lot of, like, criticism about him out there, and I was like, I actually thought he was interesting, and yeah. he was a good contrast to Mando who helps people that maybe he shouldn't help because they're not a good person and they'll betray you like Toro did. And even though like Mando seems to know better, it's like against his better judgment, he helps people even when maybe he shouldn't. Yeah. And yeah. So I, there was just so much interesting stuff in this episode.
1: Right. And for Mando to get that kind of experience out of the way now won't hurt him later down the line where maybe he would he would have chosen to help somebody that's much more dangerous and it would have been more costly now he's doing it this early so he's not going to make that same mistake later on I did like Toro a lot I thought the one funny line that made me laugh out loud was when Mando first gets shot and he hides in cover he's like you know my best car saved me and Toro's like oh well, I don't have Beskar. <laughs> I was like, that was just so funny. I'm like, this character's meant to be a caricature, you know? Like, he's supposed to be super naive, super, like, overconfident in himself, which is funny, speaking of overconfidence, because we literally meet him sitting in the same exact booth where Han Solo sat all those yeah. years ago, which, like, that's that's great. Uh, I was looking for a blaster shot on the wall from Greedo. I don't know if they put that little <laughs> detail in there or not. I, I I have to go back and rewatch it, but that would have been a kind of funny Funny thing to throw in there. But, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think with this episode, I, I think this whole series even really boils down to your expectations. I think if you go in with expectations of one specific thing in mind, and it's not that it's very narrow minded thinking. And I think people are just not going to enjoy this show. But if you really open it up to like, you know, just sitting back and enjoying the ride, I think that's when you can really, really enjoy the show. And I actually want to take a, a tweet here from uh, Phil Stozak. He is the Lucasfilm creative art manager. And he tweeted, really don't get the recent uptick in denigrating certain TV episodes as quote unquote filler, which is kind of what you said, Madison. Not every chapter of a story needs to advance the overarching plot and quieter eps, which enrich your understanding slash love of the characters and worlds, make the louder ones that much more impactful. And he asks, was the entirety of Star Trek The Next Generation or any pre-serialized TV show filler? To a certain extent, I blame binge watching and online spoiler culture for making TV viewing more about racing to find out what happens next slash lore accumulation instead of relaxing and enjoying the journey. So I just think that's a good message there. I think that really encapsulates what at least I'm trying to say. And that's why I wanted to include this tweet from him. And I completely agree. I think we're always in this sort of race and attention span to be like, what's next? You know, and that's why binge watching for something like Stranger Things, you know, you get the whole season. Nobody judges those those episodes individually. I don't ever hear people being like, oh, I'd like episode five of Stranger Things more than episode six, you know. But now it's always like as soon as a new Mandalorian episode comes out, it's like everyone's ranking it. You know, it's like, oh, this is like my least favorite or it's my like second favorite episode. Like, you know, everybody's ranking and I was like, mm-hmm. why don't we just all like enjoy it, you know? And if we sit back and really just take it for what it is, I think we'll have a lot of fun. And I'm having a lot of fun. I love this show to death. I love every single person involved in making it and in front of the camera. And uh, I stand, Baby Yoda. I will take literally every bullet in the world for him, like if it meant protecting his little butt. So
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like with something like Stranger Things, when the whole thing drops at once, it's judged very differently. It's judged as a whole. Like, what did I think of this entire season instead of judging it by each individual episode? And that's something different about The Mandalorian because of it dropping every week instead of all dropping at once. It's judged differently, and I think too harshly. (laughs) Yeah, I was guilty of that myself this week. So it was a good reminder, actually, to like really think about what are my expectations? Am I expecting too much every week? Shouldn't I just sit back and kind of let them tell me the story instead of kind of like expecting the most high stakes and the most dramatic episode every week. So yeah, I I think this week's episode was a great reminder to just like, don't be afraid to just take things slow and enjoy the smaller scale episodes because those also have different things to offer that are in a way just as valuable. And the best thing is we
1: got three more episodes. Let's go. And we have a whole nother season (laughs) that they're currently filming and we know Cara Dune's back. With Grief Karga, and, like, they're all still involved in the next season, so, like, maybe we're getting a trio, like, between those three people, I don't know, like, there's so many exciting things happening with the show, and there's so much story to tell, and if we we know that this is gonna be, like, a seven-season series, like, let's take our time, let's just enjoy it, let's get these quiet episodes, like, you know, it's nice to sometimes take a breather and just, like, not have it be super high stakes, so... You know, I think we've covered covered this this aspect of the episode pretty well, but I thought it was very important to address kind of what we thought of the episode and also just the larger storytelling of this series, especially because we're now past the midway point of season one and there's only three episodes left, which makes me really sad. So I don't again, I don't know what I'm gonna do every Friday morning without it. I guess I could still watch like High School Musical. Musical of the series every Friday morning and just fill that (laughs) void that way? I don't know.
0: I'm just gonna watch them all again and pretend I haven't seen them before.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I will say though, if you're looking to fill your Mandalorian fix, the imagineering story on Disney Plus is amazing. And the episode coming out next week is covering the creation of Galaxy's Edge. So they're starting to get into Star Wars territory. Yeah, it's uh it's gonna be my uh my binge. So, anyways. Let's talk about this uh this episode. So where do we where do we wanna start? You wanna start with Fennec Shan?
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Master Assassin. I loved this character so much. And I would say maybe my only complaint about this episode, one of my larger complaints, is that they killed her off. I was so ready to stand yeah. her so hard. Like Ming-Na Wen being in the show and her, like her visor helmet, her sniper rifle, her melee combat, how she like popped a like ninja star thing out of her like blaster holster and threw it back at toro i was like that's so dope like come on (laughs) and she's just such a badass and i would love to see more of her and i keep seeing people make the comparison to you know she got valed in reference to val from solo honestly Mm -hmm. i completely agree like i was like i would have loved to maybe see her escape somehow or maybe she is still alive at the end I, I don't know I don't she could be maybe maybe she's just like in a state of shock at the end so it's like she's dead but she's really just like passed out who
0: knows I don't know what do you what do you think of this character though yeah I was so excited to see ming win in this show because I'm such a big fan of hers I of course <laughs> love her as Mulan everyone does but of I'm course. also a huge fan <laughs> yeah I'm also a huge fan of her as Agent May and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because I've watched her in that for like think it's been six seasons now so a long time so I she's just really awesome and she kicks butt in that show too so I was just like prepared I was like they they casted her for a reason yes. like as soon as Toro came up and was gonna try to fight her I was like you do not want to do this it's gonna end badly for you <laughs> yep and she she did she kicked his butt she was amazing
1: <laughs> yeah Mando saved him hard at the end he's lucky oh, which is so annoying because yeah. he was so like cocky about his bounty he's like It's my bounty, Mando. Like, you go get the dude back. Like, dude, just save (laughs) your f***. Ass, like he, yeah. is my language, but he just like he saved you. You would have died, son. Just saying.
0: <laughs> Mando literally did all the work. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, Toro did get the speeders, but like, Mando had the whole strategy of like how to get to her and stuff. He like yeah. went out there and risked his life to like check who had fallen off the dewback and everything. Like, Mando did all the work. Okay, <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and and then he was like, "You go get the dewback Mando, and I'll stay here with the speeder and the bounty." I was like. Like, Jesus, uh, I don't. Bossy. I don't know if I would have done it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she was amazing, and I was definitely disappointed when she died. It was too soon. I was like, I. I think there could have been any number of ways to where she didn't have to die, but I don't know. I don't have the big picture and how her death might have affected who showed up at the end. I we keep alluding to this, but <laughs> we're gonna hold out a little bit longer. We're not gonna talk about him yet. I mean, we can but yeah, We could. <laughs> we could in a minute (laughs) but yeah it could end up it could end up having a bigger purpose but for now I'm just yeah a little disappointed because she was really cool and I did like how her name Finnick like a fox it definitely like came into play in her character the way she was able to manipulate Toro almost to do what she wanted like that was cool to see
1: Yeah, this is the type of character, too, where if we got some sort of comic series, I would be a huge fan. I would devour that immediately. And that's my other question about this whole show is I think maybe once the season's over, they're going to start bringing in some extra um, complimentary material to this series, like in the form of books or comics. Mm -hmm. So I would love to maybe see, you know, what she was doing leading up to this moment. Like, what was she doing on Tatooine? We know she was trying to meet somebody for some sort of meeting. But I would love to see like what, what that's all about. I also say like the music in this episode is so on point. I actually think this is probably my favorite soundtrack of the series so far. And the music, the fight music that plays when they're in in uh, fist fighting mode, it's so good. Like oh yeah, I'm gonna have to overlay it while we're talking here for a couple minutes. But I was like, it's so good. Like how it's so fast paced and you really feel like. Just the weight of this fight. And... How cool of a character that she is. Like, she's definitely very experienced. Like, she's not messing around. And every moment oh, yeah? that you think Toro is going to get her somehow, it's like, nope, she does this like serious acrobatic move over her shoulder. And like, now she's in like a dominating like position. I'm like, what the heck? Like, how did she just do that? I thought she was yeah. definitely going down. You know, there's, I can exactly pinpoint the one moment I'm thinking of, but it's, it's insane. She's so, such a cool character.
0: Yeah. My favorite musical moment was definitely when they were riding the speeders across the oh, desert. So like, that good. was. So good. I loved it.
1: God, it's beautiful. Ludwig's score just continues to to really impress me and I think that's another aspect of the show that's not being talked about enough mm-hmm. but I, I that's one of my favorite things every Friday I don't know if you do this but I watch the episode and then I was on my drive to work I listen to the entire soundtrack and it's it's just such a nice way to kind of start the morning Mando Mando style you know <laughs> and oh I yeah get my same fix and I can't do anything else that whole day I'm checked out
0: like, I've caught myself so many times lately walking around, like, humming the Mandalorian's theme. Like, it's stuck in my head all the time now. It's so catchy. Oh, so I was so whistling good.
1: it in my office. <laughs> Somebody came in. Yeah. And she's like, did you watch The Mandalorian this morning? I just watched it on my lunch break. And I'm like, yep. She's like, isn't Baby Yoda the cutest? I'm like, yep. Yep. I'm not telling you I host a series about the, about it called Bounties yeah. and Blasters, so leave. Like, trying
0: to play it cool
1: like nobody knows my second life but yeah. yeah i uh i did love too the just the effects of um what were those things called uh what did he i'm just trying to remember the name of the stuff that shot out in the sky and blinded fennec oh
0: like flash something
1: yeah i can't remember really cool
0: why do i i keep having flash drive in my head it's not a flash drive
1: <laughs> and was like take these flash drives just
0: throw
1: yeah. them in the air and Nothing happens. They're just flash drives. <laughs> they're, they're floppy disks.
0: <laughs> yeah, those those really saved him in this episode. Yeah. When they were, fly- like, not flying, when they were driving the speeders across and then to get the edge on Toro later. Were you worried about his Beskar plate when he got shot in the chest? Yes, I was, because he mentioned earlier how, like, the distance, like, she was far enough away to where it didn't really do any damage, but then when she hit him when he was a lot closer, I was like, "Oh, that's not good. And it did look like the armor was scarred later when he rode up on the dewback. I don't think it'll be his first
1: time getting that that armor beaten.
0: Yeah, I was like, it was so nice and shiny. I know. Now it's ruined. (laughs) So
1: sad. I would say the other thing I noticed too was her sniper rifle when he was lying on the ground. Did you see her aim like between his best guard plate and then his helmet oh, like, yeah? right at his neck? And yep. her sniper rifle was like ding 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 like it was telling her, like, that's a kill shot. <laughs> I was like, That's Wait.
0: so cool. <laughs> and too, like it was kind of like he was playing dead and it was like her gun was like, He's not dead, you need to shoot him again. <laughs> right. Oh my god. I was like, No. That's
1: just such a small detail. I'm like, I need that gun. And I remember, I remember uh, Magna talking about it in one of her interviews with Vanity Fair. And she was saying she's got like a big boy. I think she referred to her gun as like a big boy or something. Like like, it's (laughs) a big, big gun. I was like, damn, yeah, that was a big gun. That was dope.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it kind of reminded me of Zam Wessel's rifle in Attack of the Clones because it was a different effect, but when she's like taking aim at Obi-Wan, it was like it had this cool, like kind of auto aim feature where it like helps you line up the shot. And I thought that was really cool how this one kind of had like a different ability, kind of like telling her maybe what was a lethal shot or like, hey, your target's not dead yet. I thought that was cool. Speaking of Zam Wessel, I'm glad you actually brought her up, but I think her helmet, somebody
1: mentioned that that particular helmet was from the prequels, possibly, or something. But it almost mm. kind of does look a little bit, I mean, not fully like Sam Wessel's helmet, but very reminiscent of it.
0: It was definitely similar. I definitely noticed that.
1: Yeah, so looks like some prequel inspiration there for, for some of us Star Wars fans. But yeah, so she she's a total badass. Again, kind of, kind of bummed that she's already gone. Um, again, one of those instances where you think this character is going to be very prominently featured. I think it was more of like a miscommunication on what sort of story arcs we're getting for each of the characters. Like, are they just here as one shots? Are they here for extended periods of time? Like we know Kara's is coming back at some point, but as of now for the casual viewer, they might think, you know, kara has gone forever, but uh, hopefully maybe, maybe she survived that shot. It didn't seem like a critical shot. It seemed like it was kind of in her side area. So, yeah,
0: I I think it's definitely possible that she survived, especially now that she's been found. I don't know how long she was laying there, but I think it's definitely possible, like given that it's Star Wars, they have all kinds of crazy like medical technology. It's definitely possible that she's not dead. I know I was just really surprised because she got her own like Vanity Fair article and stuff. And so I was like at least expecting her to be in a couple of episodes. And I was like, yeah, wow, that's it.
1: (laughs) I honestly thought she was going to be much, a much larger storyline. I thought maybe the Mando would be running from her for like half the season. Yeah, me too. So I would have actually been a kind of kind of a fan of that. That would have been really interesting. But yeah. Uh, so should should we move into the into the reveal? I mean, is that yeah kind of next on our it. list? I'm like eager. I to can't wait. About this. I'm really I can't stoked. wait anymore. Well, Madison, I know you're a huge stan on this, and as am I, but I really want to give you the honors here of of opening up this discussion because this is just gonna be so good. I'm so excited.
0: Well, okay, so I guess I'll start with like my first ex- like experience of watching the episode because I'm just like I'm gonna admit it, I had no clue who it was at the end of the episode. I was like, I got to the end and I was like, who was that? I have no idea. And I want to give credit to Chelsea on Twitter at North Gallus because it was her thread that made me suddenly go, oh my gosh, I'm an idiot. Like, (laughs) how did I not catch this stuff? She made an awesome thread about how actually the entire episode was setting up the fact that it's Boba Fett at the end of the episode, which blew my mind when I saw the thread because I was like, wow, how did I not see this coming? Like, I had this weird... So almost like subconscious reaction the entire episode, like when he said, she's no good to us dead. I was like, that sounds familiar. Who said that? <laughs> and it like was not coming to me. I don't know why. Um, but before that, at the very beginning of the episode, when Mando's getting chased by the other bounty hunter who says, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. And Mando's like, that's my line. Right. So they start with that, which is interesting because it wasn't necessary. So you're like, why was that there? And then it made sense later when he says she's no good to us dead. He's obviously referencing a Boba Fett line. He's no good to me dead. So he stole Boba Fett's line, <laughs> which I, I'm like, there's no way that's a coincidence. And then at the very end, you noticed this, Brad. I definitely did not. Apparently, in The Empire Strikes Back, when Boba walks into the Cloud City like a dinner scene, he has like these spur clinking spurs uh, sound effect when he's walking, and that is definitely there at the end of this episode. And so, with all of that evidence put together, I am a hundred percent convinced that it is Boba Fett at the end of this episode. And as a massive fan of his, I'm kind of losing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. What would you
1: put your percentage at for like surety on this one? 99.5 Like my, a, point five. Like, I'm my heart says
0: 100% <laughs> but my mind is kind of like maybe 95 but I like 100% hope it's him <laughs>
1: like for me thinking so my mind immediately went to Boba as soon as I watched it because I was like the Spurs I was like that specific sound effect has only ever been used in that Cloud City scene
0: I've just made a deal that will keep the Empire out of here forever <laughs> would be honored if you would join us.
1: And I'm like, why choose that? You have mm-hmm. a plethora of sound effects from Skywalker Sound that you can choose. So many amazing sounds from Ben Burtt. You purposefully choose this one in a series about a Mandalorian where there's already been multiple hints at Boba Fett and his lines throughout this episode. Like, yeah. It's gotta I, be him.
0: It's. has I would to even, be. Yeah. I would even argue that the shot of Mando riding up on the dewback is even a hint because I have not watched the holiday special, but I know that Boba rides a dewback in that, right? I think I he think does so. with the, the with the trademark, like, Pulse rifle that our Mando now has. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, this whole episode is, like, trying to tell us something.
1: <laughs> and the other thing, too, I'm actually thinking about it now. Fennec Shand mentions to Mando, she says, you know, I haven't seen a Mandalorian in a while, which that part's kind of trying to throw me off here because if we're at first I was to believe that if that is Boba Fett, he was there because he also had a bounty puck on Fennec and he was hunting her. Then I started to hear you mentioned that she was waiting to go to a meeting and I wonder if that meeting was with Boba Fett. But then that make doesn't make sense for when she said, you know, I haven't seen a Mandalorian in a while. But then we also know that Boba Fett's not technically a Mandalorian. He's a Kamino clone from Jango yeah. Fett, who Jango Fett's not Mandalor- pure Mandalorian either. So there's a couple things going on. Um, he,
0: d- he, he does wear the armor, though. So I feel like someone like her would call him a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, there's a couple of like holes there to wear that theory could still work like if she hasn't seen boba in a very long time or maybe she's never met boba before and they're like meeting up to do this like super secret bounty job together like i don't know it could Mm -hmm. totally work that way um or he maybe he was hunting her too i think it could totally go either way we also find out too that she worked
1: with a lot of the all of the biggest crime syndicates including the huts and we know Mm -hmm. boba fett also worked for the huts so that's significant there as well. The, the The degrees of separation are slowly yet surely closing between these two characters. And yeah. uh, another thing too is, that I brightened the image of that character at the very end. I noticed that they're wearing boots, which don't look similar to Boba Fett's. They kind of do, but I don't. Rem- Boba Fett doesn't wear boots, so that was one thing that threw me off. But the pistol that's on his side looks exactly like an EE three which I only know that because Battlefront 2 is my, my go-to weapon. I absolutely was wrecking with that weapon. I'm so happy about it. But <laughs> I'm like, yes, it's appearing again. Good. And I was like, okay, that's an E3. That's Boba Fett's signature weapon. So I'm like, something's yeah. going on here.
0: And the the like plate of armor on the front of his leg totally looked like the, the same shape that our Mandalorian wears. It looked like a piece of Mandalorian armor there. Yeah. So I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> That looks like it is Boba Fett to me. But yeah, the the boots were definitely different for sure. Now, I know, have you read the Aftermath series? I have
1: not. Okay, so I thought it'd be good to fill in those of you who maybe don't know what happens with Boba Fett supposedly after Jabba's palace or Jabba's sail barge explodes at, in Return of the Jedi. So in the first book of the aftermath Aftermath trilogy written by Chuck Wendig... There are these interludes between the main story, and each interlude gives us a side character who um, is somewhere in the galaxy. Sometimes it's Lando, sometimes it's an unknown character. Usually it's something to kind of give us an idea of what's happening in the, the galaxy. There's this character. He's a he's a male human male character named Cobb Vanth, and he was once a slave. He eventually rose to become sheriff of Freetown, which is on Tatooine after he recovered a set of Mandalorian armor from Jawas. And this was four years after the battle of Yavin. So this is now one year before the series of the Mandalorian. Oh, so well. Cobb Vanth, everybody thinks that Cobb Vanth stole this armor. We're never, we're never told that the armor is Boba Fett's, but I believe the Jawas were scavenging around the pit of carcoon which is now blown open. So there's that. <laughs> And here is a a line from Cobb Vanth in that in that book. He says, what you think I stole? I say I earned. You think I'm just some slave and that's one part of the story, but you don't know the rest. What I've seen, who I was before, and I know my time is short. I've poked the monster and now it is awake. I'll die in service to this town and maybe this town will die with me but we won't be the last, not by a long shot. The next ones who come, they'll know me. They'll know my time. They'll carry the flags of Freetown, even if Freetown is gone. And one day, Tatooine is free, even if me and my swindler's forge armor and my little town have been claimed once more by the sands. So this guy's got a pretty extensive backstory. You don't learn too much about him just beyond the fact that again, he is a part of this town. He is the sheriff, very Western like, you know, and it makes me think I was like, okay, if Boba is dead, maybe this could be actually Cobb Vanth at the end of the episode, taking up the Boba Fett armor. He is the sheriff of Freetown, And like what better Western trope than a gunslinger coming into town, causing trouble. And then the sheriff's like, what are you doing in my town? Like, you can't do this, you know? So it makes me think, I was like, that would really follow along with some of those classic Western storylines of, like, cause and trouble with the sheriff and then the classic shootout with the sheriff. And um, later in the book, uh, Vanth enlists the service of Jabba's former animal trainer, Malaki, who was the guy who had the, uh, the Rancor in Jabba's palace. And they raise a young hut named Borgo. And months later, Freetown is attacked by the Red Key Raiders. But Cobb manages to enlist the Tuscan Raiders to help drive the criminals away. Another instance of the Tuscan Raiders being more civilized in a post-Empire world. They can now not be just be looked at as killing machines, but uh, they're very humanized and cooperative. So what do you make of all this? I know this is kind of your first time learning about Cobb Vanth, but do you see any sort well. of like, potential connections I mean again it could be Boba at the end Boba might be dead but Cobb may have attained his armor and now pretending to be Boba maybe that's why we haven't heard about Boba yet in the universe because he's dead but Cobb Vanth is very much alive
0: okay I have a lot of thoughts here
1: (laughs) there's so much this is like one of my favorite interludes in Aftermath I love it so much and Cobb Vanth is like one of those characters I want to know more about
0: so, the first direction I would take with this is did, does it say or like hint where Freetown is in relation to Moss Isley? Like, is it close? Is it far away? Moss. So, Freetown, formerly known as Moss Pelgo,
1: is mm-hmm. located in the Northern Hemisphere. So, that's about as much as we know. The miner, Adwin Charu, once asked Cobb Vanth, a sheriff from the planet, The name of his town before the latter stole the former's box of Mandalorian armor. The miner. Yeah, so this is all coming from Wikipedia.
0: Because my thinking is, would he be really far away from his town? If he is a sheriff of this town, would he really go out in the middle of nowhere and find this body that quickly? It would be kind of strange for him to be wandering around, kind of way out in the middle of nowhere where she was hiding. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, it is possible that my other thought about this is if this is boba how would this work so like one of my big questions about if it's boba what has he been doing in the five years you just answered my question partially one of my big questions was what has he been doing in the five years since return of the jedi how long has he been out of the sarlacc pit like why is he still on tatooine i had all those questions and this would make a lot of sense actually because what if this guy <laughs> took his armor and is now the sheriff of this town and boba went to went back to reclaim his armor like and he takes as a very personal offense that this guy took his armor and he had like <laughs> his whole mini journey where he goes and gets it back and everything i could totally see something like that being in a, in a comic like after this season ends if it is boba like here's how boba got oh his armor back Oh, so cool right like okay so boba oh. crawls out of the pit and he's like Oh my stuff is gone i have to like go on this kind of mini adventure <laughs> to naked. get all my stuff back <laughs> yeah <laughs> to get all my stuff back and like get back to my bounty hunter status and so that would be a whole like mini western adventure there that I could totally see them like putting out a comic for, you know, like after this finale, if it is Boba. Right. But yeah, it could be the other guy as well. So I think both are definitely possible. Oh
1: God, I just hope. I hope. And to be completely clear, I love Boba Fett. I was never on the train of like I need him in the series. I never have once cared about him being in the series, nor did I need it. I was like indifferent. I was like, you know what? I don't really care. Like it's fine, whatever. Now that it's a very real possibility, I want it so bad.
0: (laughs) Same. It's so weird because I, again, like me too, I was perfectly happy accepting this Mandalorian and accepting the fact that I might not get any more Bova content for a very long time. And it's weird because every time I feel like something like that happens, it's like, Oh, you want this? Madison, Lucasfilm is just like, here you go. <laughs> you love this character? We're going to give you more content. They like all the time. They're just giving me stuff that I didn't know I needed. And I love them for it.
1: <laughs> Lucasfilm's always coming in to to save the day with our, our fanfics and our headcanon. Our they head really cannon, are. You know? <laughs>
0: But I'm just going to be really confused now, like, and conflicted if Mando and Boba are like rivals and like going against each other. I'm just going to be really conflicted.
1: (laughs) I was telling you, I don't know if I mentioned it on this episode already or if I was just telling you off air, but I would love a classic Western showdown between Boba Fett and the Mandalorian and like yes. tumbleweed goes by you know like
0: that would be yes that would be so cool and like I'm I was like, maybe that wouldn't
1: really make sense but it'd, i would just love to watch it honestly like i, I just yeah see that
0: i'm completely on board with this as long as neither of them dies <laughs> Yeah,
1: and also too like if this doesn't happen you know i'm gonna be going out there making uh, a fan film like immediately <laughs> like with the wait, wait, wait crawling out of the sarlacc <laughs>
0: Brad this is what needs to happen okay so <laughs> Boba and Mando are like rivals right they're enemies but then there's a bigger enemy that causes them to team up <laughs> oh my god that's, that's what needs to happen
1: <laughs> oh the hate like the, the four horsemen it's it's Boba Mandalorian Kara and Grief, the four horsemen of the
0: apocalypse. And (laughs) IG-11.
1: Oh, actually, yeah. Replace Grief with IG-11. and You got the four horsemen treading across the galaxy, protecting baby Yoda at all times, but also bringing order.
0: (laughs) I'm a big fan of this. I would watch like 20 seasons of this.
1: I'm so excited right now. I'm like, oh, God. Again, we were talking earlier about expectations and how that's hurting the Mandalorian, and now we're creating uh, our very own.
0: We're falling into the trap again.
1: Oh, it's a trap. Oh, hey, that's also, that's also a Boba Fett thing, isn't it? It's a trap. We're falling Cloud into a
0: Sarlacc pit. <laughs>
1: Going to be digesting this series for a thousand years. Well, Madison, what do you think could be the end game if this is Boba? You know, how is he involved if that's the case? Or wh- where is your stance on why he appeared? Was he hunting, or was he working with her? I think he. Hmm. I still think he was hunting, maybe, or meeting. Actually, I would say meeting her is probably the most likely option. Um. So now that she's dead, maybe. what would be the end game?
0: Although, even now, now that you tell me that other part of the story, I'm also thinking, what if he just came across her by accident, like. He's returning from the wilderness, and he's like, what
1: happened here? Or what if she was causing the trouble in Freetown? And what if she... Oh, my God. Okay. What? What? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Hear me out. So we know Freetown was attacked by Red Key Raiders, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And the Red Key Raiders are a criminal syndicate that emerged following the Battle of Endor. And we know Fennec Shan has worked with many crime syndicates and maybe she worked with the Red Key Company when they took over Freetown and now Cobb Vanth wants his revenge. And he got there and she's already dead. And now he's like, who the hell killed her? I want to kill that person right now.
0: Whoa. (laughs) That really makes sense. Oh my God. That makes a heck of a lot of sense. I just don't want to believe it because I wanted to be (laughs) Bova. Oh my god. Oh man. Wow, that's really good. That's okay. really, really good. Well, you know wow. what?
1: Okay. I'm like mind blown right now. Anyways, so uh yeah, so so that would be the premise or the end game if it is Cobb Vanth. He wants revenge now on Mando because of killing Fennec and Fennec maybe raided the town with the red key company. Now, if it's Boba Fett, do you think he was maybe hired by somebody in this larger scheme or uh like what would he be trying to do the rest of this series if he's involved somehow?
0: Hmm. I don't know about like who would have who like maybe where he got the bounty for uh Finnick because is he okay let me back up so Toro got it from the guild right so I don't think Boba is part of the guild or Mando would have known about him although maybe he does and just hasn't mentioned the fact that he knows about Boba I have no idea but moving forward <laughs> Uh, boba has had no problems with taking jobs from the empire in the past so my thinking is maybe he he still does that maybe he would go uh take jobs from the remaining imperials the warlords out there slash like the beginnings of the first order maybe he would keep working for them and that would be a way to maybe they send him after baby yoda i don't know Because at this point, I'm not sure if they still want Baby Yoda or not, or if Dr. Pershing did get what he needed already, and so they're kind of like, whatever. I don't know. So, um, but if he did get hired by the Imperials, that would be a good way to have him come into conflict with Mando. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I think that maybe could be where this goes.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good possibility, but we have to just wait and see, and I think uh, hopefully more to come. On future episodes, I'm so happy you're a boba stan, because I was like, yes. that'd be so awkward if like you just hated boba and I love boba, and then we were just like in conflict on the show, and then we'd have to end the series naturally. Um, but thank God, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm glad we can like both just gush about this character. That that's exciting.
0: Yeah, I also think too. What's his name? Cobb Vanth. Was that yeah, it? Yeah, Cobb Vanth. Um, I also think it could just be the end of the road, too. Like, if he was hunting Finnick and she's dead, he's like, oh, well, I guess that's the end of it. And he goes back to his town and that's the end of it, you know? And then it would really just make this a whole, like, self-contained episode. But yeah. I really feel like they were setting up something. Like, why else would they have shown that? Yeah. You know? Yep,
1: yeah, I agree. And I've, I have to say, if, if it is Cobb Vanth, my fan cast is Kevin Durand. And I just sent you a picture of him in the Skype chat. This is the guy I've always envisioned being Cobb Vanth. He played Martin Kimi in Lost. He is such a badass. He's been in uh, The Butterfly Effect, Smoke and Aces, X-Men Origins, Wolverine, Legion, Robin Hood. He's been in so much stuff. But I need to get this guy into a Star Wars movie or show or something. But um, yeah. he would be a pretty good Cobb Vanth. So we'll see. But Oh, cool. Yeah. So let's All move right. on to uh baby yoda i feel like we got to make a name a segment for this uh a name segment but we might have a new name for it I th- i'm thinking we should call our our baby yoda moments of the week um bright eyes moment i don't know
0: oh my, my gosh my
1: yes <laughs> so i'm a fan <laughs> so all right so this week bright eyes moments what do you got madison we got we got a theme baby got a theme a music yes, theme they did. i'm so excited
0: Yes, he did. It's the cutest theme
1: ever. It's so cute.
0: I've been trying to think what is my favorite moment from this episode because there weren't like really big standout moments like there, like there were a lot in chapter four and he wasn't in this one as much. It was more like little moments of her like carrying him around and him cooing and being adorable like usual but I really did love the moment at the end when he like hides behind the crates after Toro gets shot and then he like (laughs) peeks out and waves at them. It was so cute. And
1: then he reaches (laughs) up for her and uh, Peli Motto played by Amy Sedaris. And Amy Sedaris is like hilarious. I don't know if you got to follow her on Instagram and just kind of follow her career, but she's been on Strangers with Candy, which is a Comedy Central show that had Stephen Colbert on. So she's been like all over the place. Her brother's David Sedaris and he writes a lot of books like i know um you know diabetes i think it's um let's talk about diabetes with owls or something like that so he mm-hmm. he's written a couple books so um the Sedarises are very well known and um to have her in this episode giving off some like huge ellen ripley vibes from alien i was like that perm oh, yeah. <laughs> that she's got is definitely like 80s like th- that's why i loved her character i stand so hard I stand so hard on Peli, and I would love to see, like, an entire Disney Plus series with, like, her and Baby Yoda, like, in the style of Blue's Clues. Like, totally, (laughs) totally want that.
0: (laughs) I loved her calling out Mando for his really bad, like, childcare skills. She was like, you just leave a young one (laughs) alone like that? Like, what are you doing? And I was like, thank you. That's... Yeah. that's what I've been shouting at the screen this whole episode like <laughs> what are you doing Yeah, you just, you just leave him alone and you leave your ship open I mean right. I'm assuming he did that so that she could work on it but I was like really Mando really you know yeah. everybody is after this child he literally almost got sniped at the end of the last episode <laughs> and you just leave him alone oh still God. like I, I don't understand <laughs> and literally
1: just got out of a space battle with a guy and you're like I'll just put him in yeah. this little thing that can easily be opened unless baby Yoda used the force to open it we don't know so mm-hmm. maybe he's gonna realize this baby's gonna be hard to to contain but i loved amy though like in her little hangar and like with her droids and it just kind of felt like this nice classic like clone wars safe haven almost like you know in like clone wars we'd have those little side stories where you know like nothing's bad nothing bad gonna happen to this group like we don't have to worry mm-hmm. about that for the whole episode And i felt that way i felt like you know baby yoda was in safe hands which made me at peace obviously at the end that changes but Um, We, you know, we, we solve everything and she's like, you're smarter than you look like, that's so funny. And I love when she was holding baby Yoda and she's like, and then I'm going to charge him extra for watching you. Yes, I am. That's how that works. (laughs) Oh my God. This is so good. It's the quality content.
0: Yeah, and speaking of her and her droids, too, I thought it was hilarious when at the start of the episode, Mando just shot at them when he got off the ship. (laughs) (laughs) And they were, like, terrified, and they, like, drop, and it's just the head, you know? I was like, oh my gosh, that was great. He just hates droids, man. He hates them so much. Right.
1: Which is funny because when he goes to the cantina and there's a droid running it, that previous owner hated droids too. I just, there's so many yeah. like, droid ironies happening in, in this episode. But yeah, I loved when he comes back and she goes, you know, you can't just leave a child alone like that. You have an awful lot to learn about raising a young one. And yeah. there's, I noticed this like moment of silence with, it was just like on the Mandalorian. And I was like, he's probably now realizing or kind of accepting it's, it's dawning on him that this is really his child to raise, you know, like. It was, I think it was like the first time somebody's really phrased it that way to him. Like, you know, you're raising a kid.
0: <laughs> yeah. And he
1: was like, whoa, I guess I am. Like He's like internally son? panicking. Right. <laughs> He's like, she's got a toy. I'm kind of a dumbass for just leaving this kid here. But what did you what did you think overall of just Baby Yoda and this dynamic with, with Peli?
0: It was really adorable. Yeah. He's a very good kid. He didn't give her any trouble. You know, he just slept the whole time Mando was gone. He was a good boy. <laughs>
1: I love when he came back, too, and she's like, I'm awake, I'm awake. She's like, oh do you know gosh. how long
0: it took to get this baby to go to sleep? <laughs> Did you see uh, Mike Mike's tweet on Twitter? I can't remember his username, but he he made this hilarious tweet like a few days ago. And so it was in my mind when I watched this episode. He said, I can't wait to see when the Mandalorian's in a grocery store and he loses baby Yoda and he panics. And then when Mando came back and Yoda, yeah, Yoda, I got a quick calling of that baby Yoda was gone and he just like freaked out, had a total meltdown and came running out of the ship. Yeah. That's the first thing I thought of, <laughs> it was like you losing your kid in a grocery store. <laughs> and he's like, where is my child? and she's like he's right here you woke him up and now he's crying
1: (laughs) look what you've done Mando come on
0: I did think that was a sweet moment though he really does just panic anytime he's like what has happened to my child (laughs) and that's why I really like this episode too
1: not only for the nostalgia but like one of my favorite things about it was that dynamic between Yoda and Peli and Amy Sedaris just absolutely kills it and I think this again this also is something that's being overlooked like nobody i don't see anybody talking about how fun of a character she is but it was just so refreshing to to get that and and i just loved it Mm -hmm. yeah so it's time for our easter egg roundup we're gonna catch them all and this is a segment in which we suga oh that's you know what (laughs) that's that might be a future segment name we'll have to come up with that one and integrate it somehow yeah (laughs) suga roundup So this is a segment in which we search for any and all nods to the larger Star Wars universe within the Mandalorian. So Madison, what did we find this week?
0: Well, we had another high ground reference. There was one in Fallen Order recently, <laughs> so I was very excited about that. And then we had one here uh, when Mando's like, well, she has the high ground, so we have to wait. And I was like, there we go. There, you're smart. You didn't pull an antic. And be like, you underestimate my power. Goes speeding across the clearing and she just snipes you. Right. <laughs> Luckily, that did not happen, so (laughs) I always love a good high ground reference.
1: Yes, I will take any and all high ground references, especially if it's (laughs) in relation to coffee grounds. (laughs) The next Easter egg that we got is Chalman's Cantina, obviously. So it is now being run by droids, which is hilarious because previously, we don't accept your kind around here, is what the bartender said all those years ago when Luke walked in with C-3PO and R2 and uh, now droid is serving drinks and ig11 uh I, I noticed that his head is uh being used as like the uh i'm trying to think of the name like the dispenser for drinks and beverages <laughs> and i was like is ig11 like was he just created these IG models? Were they created from this item, like, or was it like dead IGs were were made to serve drinks? Like, I don't know which way it goes, you know.
0: Probably the latter. <laughs> yeah, I was
1: like, wow, all the IG11 models were just scrap from bars. Like, that's kind of cool, <laughs> but no, it's probably yeah. it's probably just dead IG droids. Maybe it's IG88. Uh, <laughs>
0: Yeah, when I saw uh, the droids were running the place, I was like, the irony is too real. Like Things have definitely changed.
1: (laughs) I just love how screen accurate, too, everything was. Like With how the cantina looked, the shot of him actually walking to the cantina looked exactly like the shot of Luke and Obi-Wan. It's just everything looked the same, which I liked. Toro literally sitting in the cantina booth where Han Solo sat was pretty cool, and Mm -hmm. he's got his feet up on the table like typical Han Solo swagger. So I'm like, that seat is just meant for flyboys who kind of, kind of don't know what they're doing with their lives. So it was perfect. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so our next Easter egg was the dumb series droid, Return of the Pit Droids, I guess you can call them either one. Um, but they've been a, a lot of things. Their first live action appearance since Attack of the Clones, but I think they've also been in Rebels and Resistance and yep. I think the Clone Wars too? I'm not sure. But they've been in a lot of things, and they're back, and I love them. I think they're cute, to be honest. <laughs> yes.
1: They're so adorable. I like the little noises they make.
0: <laughs> Hit the nose. <laughs>
1: a solid Anakin reference right there.
0: Yeah. And they were totally cheating when they were playing Sabacc, by the way, which I guess I'm just going to go ahead and throw that one out there, too. Another yeah. Easter egg. They were playing Sabacc in this episode, and I thought that was really cool, and yes. they were, like, passing cards to each other under the table. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs>
1: droids always are cheating come on yeah you're better than that <laughs> our next easter egg are banthas and Dubacks. they're back and again another you mentioned another holiday special reference with mando riding on the dewback which i actually also thought of like you know horseback riding with the cowboys you know strolling into town oh, yeah. i thought that was cool and also getting that shot of moss isley at night was so beautiful it was so it looked so great just another great moment and uh you know the bantha seeing the tuscan raiders back that was pretty cool and again i like how we just didn't go running in there shooting the tuscan raiders i like that we actually negotiated with them and made them a little more human and that is such a dave filoni thing to do to just make that like again to show us this universe in which tatooine has changed so much that the tuscan raiders are slowly kind of integrating themselves back with other people. They're not just kidnapping them. You know, they're actually negotiating with them and and giving them safe passage across their lands because it still is their lands. They're the natives. You know, everybody just kind of came in and colonized, I guess. But that was kind of nice.
0: Yeah. And as a Knights of the Old Republic fan, I was totally geeking out because in the first game, you can go to Tatooine. It's one of the major planets in the game. And there's a big like storyline with the Tuscan Raiders. And because it's an RPG, you can you have like two choices. You can either just like wipe out the Tuscan Raiders or you can choose to negotiate with them. Huh. And I was always a negotiator. So <laughs> I was like really proud of Mando for like choosing that path. And I was like, he's come such a long way from like trying to flamethrow the Jawas, <laughs> trying to roast them. I was very proud of him. Yeah, he did a good job.
1: I am so happy that you've played Knights of the Old Republic because you get to bring all that knowledge into the show as I've never played the game. So uh, thank you for that. That's an awesome Easter egg, actually. I think I saw yeah. one person mention it, but I didn't know the context behind it. So that's yeah, awesome.
0: I get I get really excited because in a lot of things like even Resistance has been making a lot of callbacks to Knights of the Old Republic lately. And I'm like, yes, good. Very good. <laughs>
1: And our uh, last Easter egg here is uh, actual framing and the directing of this episode. A couple of notable times that I think the camera work really, really stood out. And I think the space battle in the beginning was just fantastic. That's not really an Easter egg, just more of a testament to some of the shots that happened, you know, with the explosion of the ship and the guy going, Dang you, Mando! That, that was kind of funny. <laughs> it was like classic cheesy line. But... Most importantly, when the Razor Crest lands on Tatooine and we get that shot of kind of like the top-down shot of the Razor Crest going in, and we see the two moons, that's when it really hits you like we're back home, you know. And it's the same oh, exact yeah. shot that we get in A New Hope with the blockade runner above Tatooine. And I put a side-by-side of it on my Twitter if you want to go take a look at it. But it's literally lined up perfectly, like the the planets and the moons are in the exact same spot. And that is just brilliant. That is so beautiful. I love that parallel. Such a great way to, 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 just it's such a subtle thing that they did that really just kind of warms your heart and puts a smile on your face. And it makes you feel like you're wearing a warm, cozy blanket as you're going back to Tatooine where it all began back in 1977. And this is where I hate the term fan service because I personally don't see anything wrong with fan service. I don't, I don't, what's wrong with servicing your fans? I mean, they're the ones that run all this and keep you motivated and keep you going. So I don't know. I just always have a bad taste for that kind of thing. Uh, When people call things fan service, but I don't know, I love, I love that kind of stuff. It's fun. I mean, that's what being a fan is all about. It's these like rewarding moments to be like, wow, you know, like forty years later, we're we're getting back to Tatooine, like in original trilogy times, you know?
0: Yeah, same, like. As long as there's it doesn't cause any detriment to the story, as long as it doesn't take anything away from it, I have no problem with fan service. I think it's great.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's again a small detail. It didn't it didn't ruin the story, like you said. The other framing device that they use, which I don't know if a lot of people caught it, but right at the end where the razor crest flies off, his engines, they turn and as he's flying off, it looks like the two twin sons of Tatooine in so the distance. Cool. Which I'm like, that's just so subtle. And I love that. Again, like those little small details, they all add up and they just make you love the show that much more.
0: It's the little things. Yep.
1: This is true. Well, Madison, you want to close us out with our final segment here?
0: Yeah, so uh, every week we have our listeners send us some hashtag complicated confessions. If you have any questions, thoughts, theories about each episode of The Mandalorian every week, be sure to tweet those at us with the hashtag. This week we have a couple of questions. I'll start here with our first one from Donnie Jeep. Um, he says this time I have a little one since the show is influenced by the Western genre, which are your top five favorite western movies. And this like gave me an existential crisis <laughs> <laughs> because I love so many western movies, so i I managed to kind of at least for now, my temporary ranking like narrow it down to five favorites, and these are in no particular order because i I have a lot of trouble ranking things now. But I'll say my top five are." tombstone the good the bad and the ugly for a few dollars more the quick and the dead and 310 to yuma so there you go there's my list for now it'll probably be subject to change
1: (laughs) (laughs) i will be completely honest with you donnie i don't watch a lot of westerns but after watching the mandalorian i'm very inspired to do so But a couple of Westerns that I have watched, I would say um, definitely Rango. No, I'm just kidding. Not Rango. Uh, (laughs) Django Unchained. I am a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. And The Hateful Eight. Those were two great movies by him that I really, really enjoyed in a Western setting. Also really like No Country for Old Men. I guess you can consider that a Western movie. It's not like a traditional Western in the sense that it's like, you know, the 1860s or whatever Western type feel. But... It's got like Western-esque moments. And uh, I also need to give some shout-outs to Back to the Future Part 3, which takes place in Western times. I do <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> love that movie. And I need to do a rewatch of those soon. I would I would highly recommend for you th- those of you out there to watch that series and especially the third part, with, when it t- which takes place in the Wild West. So um, I heard this episode, actually, Chapter 5 of The Mandalorian, followed pretty closely to the movie Unforgiven from 1992 by Clint Eastwood.
0: Wow, that is is so weird because that is like the only Clint Eastwood Western I haven't yet seen and I've been wanting to make time to watch it. So wow, I'll be sure to get back to you with all the parallels. Yeah, (laughs)
1: apparently it's about some guy and he takes one final job. So it's kind of like, you know, kind of the same deal here with this uh, young upcoming cowboy who needs to do this one final job before he can get into the guild. So, uh, kind of some similarities there. Awesome. And our final questions from Brian Barry at Brian Barry House. Brian, hello. I know you're a longtime uh, listener of the the show here. So, thank you for your question. He asks that the client and Dr. Pershing and I hope Cad Bane are working with Palps collecting four sensitive children for a resurrection. Maybe. Also, we'll see more upside down triangles because there is never too much queer stuff in this show. Hashtag Cad, Cad Bane is the gunslinger. <laughs> that would be kind of well, cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've seen some people saying that they think it's Cad Bane, and I'm like, that would be pretty interesting. I mean, it's definitely possible. Wow, I haven't like, How crazy of that.
1: would that be? That would be nuts, especially Dave Filoni to introduce him.
0: Yes, like live action Cad Bane. That would be insane. <laughs> Which would Ooh, does Cad Bane have boots? Because remember I said the boots looked I, a little different.
1: The boots looked a little I, different. I'm pulling up. A I don't orange. remember
0: noticing. Yeah. I don't remember noticing his, his boots much. Cause he wears that like trench coat. Yeah. <gasps> let's look it up. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. Oh what?
1: God. It could be, it could be, he looks the, he's got the long cape. Oh my he's gosh. He the boots. He boot. Yeah. Um. The pistol. I mean, kind of looks like also what was on his. Yeah, it could be. That's a great theory, Brian. Wow. It'd be
0: Cat Bane with a cape.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow. All right. You know what? I'd he be okay also, with that, too. Honestly, I'd be okay with Cobb, Vanth, Boba Fett, or Cad Bane. That would be he really He also brings cool. up
0: a question that we forgot to talk about, and I did want to bring this up on the show. Is like, who is the gunslinger? Because that is the title yeah. of the episode. Good point. And I think we're supposed to think, like, early on, is it Mando? Is it Toro? But I think at the end, like, it's showing us that maybe the gunslinger is whoever shows up at the end.
1: Yeah. I would read that interpretation, too. Probably. And
0: that could apply to Cad Bane or Boba Fett, you know, could work for either one. Yeah.
1: Well, that's a great catch there, Brian. And you're you're blowing our minds right when we're closing out the show. We could talk about this even longer if we really wanted to, I'm sure. Uh,
0: we we yeah. spent most of
1: this episode <laughs> talking about Boba Fett, Cobb Vanth, speculation, tinfoil hat theories. And I, I love every I second mean, of it.
0: Honestly, on brand for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, now you got to do some Mandalorian fan art with Boba Fett involved. If he, oh the possibilities heck yeah which by the way <laughs> for those of you listening if you're not following Madison on Twitter do that immediately right now she's putting out like fantastic artwork that got retweeted by Gina Carano and posted on Gina Carano's Instagram story and did you see that by chance you I'm, I'm, I'm yes you saw that was that. really yeah. cool
0: I, I was so, like freaking out <laughs> yeah
1: so like go check out her work and that it's just so awesome to see what you're putting out and I it, yeah it's it's awesome high praise especially and, from people who are well, on the show apparently that's awesome
0: <laughs> well thank you so much and i guess this is a good time to start plugging yes <laughs> so if you're wanting to follow my art on twitter you can do that at madison underscore thames uh, you can follow my podcast doing talking at doing talking pod on facebook instagram and twitter my website is doing dot com you can listen there or um, you can listen on iTunes, Spreaker, and YouTube. My channel is Maddie Solo, that's M-A-D-I hyphen solo. And I also have a Patreon, so if you're interested in even more doing talking content, you can check that out at patreon.com slash doing talking.
1: And as for us here at Friends of the Force, you can find us at Friends of Force on Twitter and Friends of the Force on Instagram. We are a part of the Star Wars Escape Pods network, and we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash friendsoftheforce. Thank you to our current patrons, Aldrianian Rose, Chris from Kentucky, Michael Conson, Neil Lowry, Rural Farm Boy, and T. So that's it for us here at Bounties and Blasters. And we will see you next week for chapter six, in which the Mandalorian joins a crew of mercenaries on a dangerous mission. Ooh, hopefully one of those mercenaries is Boba Fett himself, but we will see. But until next time, Madison, I have to say one last time, this is the way.
0: This is the way.